great Odin's raven. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. This is, uh, this is ridiculous. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Hello and welcome to the FilmPulse.net podcast. This is episode number 59. My name is Adam. Today I'm joined by Kevin. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing okay. We're also joined by Film Pulse contributor Gina Kelly. How are you, Gina? Hey, guys. I'm doing good. How are you? How's it feel to, to be on for the first time on the show? Is it, is it exciting? I feel kind of exposed, to be honest. Yeah, you probably should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's how I feel. That's how Kevin feels all the time, even when he's not yes. recording. <laughs> yeah, exposed always. and vulnerable. Yes. Yep. Uh, today we got two interviews lined up. First, we'll be speaking with Robert Mockler, the director of our Kickstart Sunday project this week, Like Me. Then we'll be having a chat with director Quentin Dupio on his new film, Wrong, which is currently playing on video on demand and hitting theaters this Friday. And as if that wasn't enough, we'll be doing a feature review on Harmony Corinne's Spring Breakers. And finally, we'll be going over this week's movie predictions and DVD and Blu-ray releases. Let's go ahead and dive right into our first interview with Robert Mockler and have him tell us about Like Me, which is currently getting its funding on Indiegogo. All right, well, let's let's get started by just telling us a little bit about the project and what what the movie's going to be about. Um... Uh, the film's going to be about a young woman who tries to become a celebrity by documenting a string of robberies through social media. That's sort of our, our log line. Um, and it's, it's really about how far some of us will go to attain fame and recognition on the internet. Uh, and our main character, um, Kaya, is sort of a Frankenstein's monster of pop culture, internet trends, and youthful ignorance. Um, so she, she commits these robberies uh, and records them. And she puts them on the internet. And to gain attention, and people love it. Um, she uses everything about her as sort of a facade. She uses fake guns to commit the robberies, um, and sort of her followers become, and they push her to commit more extreme acts of mischief until things uh, spiral out of control. And this is going to be a was it a twenty-five minute short? Is that what you're looking for? Yeah, roughly twenty-five minutes. And uh, one of the things that drew me in to this project, and I will say, this is our first Indiegogo project that we've backed on the site so maybe we can talk about the differences in just a second for people that don't know but the thing that really kind of drew me into this project was uh just the look of your your little teaser trailer that you have on the on the indiegogo page Mm -hmm. uh how are you shooting this this movie um, in terms of like uh, what what camera or yeah yeah uh, we we got a hold of a of a red scarlet um, oh, okay. which is sort of like uh, entry level into the red cameras um, and we used a, a Canon mount so we sort of used photo still lenses to shoot the film uh, and the red camera really gives you big flexibility in the color grade so we can do sort of extreme things um, with the colors in the film and that'll sort of come into play uh, at least in concept, that's the idea right now, is that when she commits her robberies, we're going to, going to push the colors to the extreme, almost make them look like an Instagram filter. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's uh, yeah. that's our primary I, workhorse. And I think that, that looks great. So let's talk about Indiegogo. Um, we many times have talked about Kickstarter, and uh, the big difference between the two, if I'm not mistaken, is with Indiegogo, you guys get everything that, gets donated to you regardless if you make your goal or not. Yeah, yeah. So the big question that I have, and 
I'm sorry that you're just the first Indiegogo project that we've talked to is what if you get like uh, maybe half of your goal? Like, what do you where do you go from there? Um, Yeah, uh, I mean, we're going to make the film like regardless, like we'll 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 make it happen. Um, Ideally, we want to to reach the goal and uh, that'll allow us to make the film that we want to make. Um, and it'll, it'll sort of make our, our jobs a little easier. But, I mean, uh, I started as a guerrilla filmmaker, and I'm used to stealing shots and getting in and out of locations quickly. Uh, I'd prefer not to have to do that with this one. Um, you know, uh, sometimes you have to negotiate uh, with store owners um, of, you know, uh, allowing uh, them allowing us to use their locations, and they'll only give you so much time, you know. Um, for free, anyway. So, uh, you know, having to shoot a scene in two hours is a really difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things we're hoping to get um, is enough money to pay for locations. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we go over some of the incentives that you have going on sure. with the project? Sure. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, I guess we have... Uh, you, could, you could purchase a copy of the film. There's a special thanks in the credits. You can be an executive producer... Uh, one of sort of the more intriguing perks is that you can have a candlelit dinner with our character. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, you can own a piece of the film. You can, you can, we'll give you a prop, um, like the mask that you see in the robbery, that sort of leather respirator, um, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Gina, did you have a question? Oh, I just was throwing in a little, a little joke. That's all. You can continue. I was wondering if she could rob us during this dinner. Would it be part of the experience? Uh, perhaps, uh, yeah, that could definitely be part of the experience. Yeah, yeah you could re- record it and put it on YouTube. And yes, now, uh, right before, right before we we did this interview, um, Kevin mentioned something about how I think with this you have a lot of good opportunities for some viral marketing for this movie. Yeah, have you have you thought about doing stuff like that? No, we have, and there's there's um, thirty nine days, thirty eight days left of our campaign, and um, yeah, we're 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 going to be doing some stuff eventually. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask one question here. Sure. Because with with Indiegogo, you can actually choose, right? If you want it to be more like a Kickstarter campaign where there's the emergency kind of level you need to hit. Or yeah. if you want to collect, yeah, there's a, there's a flexible funding option, which is what we've chosen, which means we get everything, uh, no matter whether or not we meet the goal. Um, and then there's there's the fixed funding option, where it's exactly like Kickstarter. If you get funded, you get funded, and if you don't, you don't get anything. Um, right. Now for for Indiegogo, if we don't make our goal, they'll take more of a percentage of what we raised, uh, and okay. that's that's sort of an incentive for them, um, you know, for that option because only they offer it. Uh, but, but yeah. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know a whole lot about the Indiegogo, but I do want to look more into, to backing those, those types of projects. And I got your emails about you, you guys got on the front page of Indiegogo. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. They, they chose, uh, us, uh, uh, out of, um, all the campaigns, one of eight campaigns to advertise on their, on their front page, uh, in, in all the categories. Uh, and we made, um, campaign of the day yesterday, which means they, you know, they tweet about us, uh, and they make Facebook posts about us in their feed. Oh, that's awesome. I also uh, wanted to mention one of the perks is uh, the the still photographs yeah. that you're offering. Yeah. Those look fantastic too. Thank you. Yeah, we worked with a, a really awesome photographer called uh, named uh, Rins Rins Van Brug, um, and uh, he really dug the project. Uh, we went to his place, took some photographs, 
Um, and then he gave us some really amazing raw photographs that we were able to edit, and, and it was, yeah, he's, he's, he's a really talented guy. Well, best of luck with the film. Uh, make sure you keep us posted on the status, but we'll be, we'll be watching, so. Sure, thank and you. Thank you for everything. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, thanks for the spot. I really appreciate it. It's going to help a lot. Best of luck. Thank you, guys. Thanks again, Robert. The project is Like Me, and we'll have a link to the Indiegogo page in the show notes as well as on the Kickstart Sunday section of the site. Moving on, Quentin Dupio. After I saw Rubber back in, when did that come out? 2010, I think. Uh, I knew this would be somebody to watch, and uh, we were lucky enough to have a quick chat with him about his new movie, Wrong, which is currently playing on demand and hitting theaters this Friday. So let's take a listen. First off, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the film Wrong, which is what is it's coming out in theaters uh, on Friday and it's playing on demand right now. Maybe just give us a brief overview of the film. A brief overview, that's tough, but uh, let's say to me it's like a very pleasant nightmare. <laughs> that's, that's how I see the movie and that's what I was trying to do. And that's, I think that's the, the main quality of this movie. It's like being in a nightmare, but uh, a pleasant one. Now, uh, what I'm wondering is, uh, did you draw in any kind of inspiration from any other kind of like absurdist films, or did you just kind of bang it out and just kind of come up with your own unique ideas for the script? Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just influenced by uh, <clears throat> everything, you know, not, not just like um, surrealist stuff, but also mainstream stuff. Uh, also life, you know, like life contains mm-hmm. a lot of uh, absurdity too. So if you look, if you know how to look at it, you know, like you can see absurdity in life. And so, it, yeah, I, I'm, let's say I'm more inspired about um, like uh, general thing. You know, I'm not trying to to be influenced by uh, other movies or other art forms, uh, you know. I, I think I'm just influenced by everything. Now, uh, you've had a pretty great musical career as well. Uh, have you been finding your uh, muse in film over music, or do you, do you kind of like them both, doing them both equally? It's, uh, let's say it's the same part of my brain working. You know, I, I like, I love to do movies. I love to make music too. It's just um, making a movie, of course, is uh, more complex. And um, sometimes it contains music. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, yes, it's, of course, like, uh, uh, like very, um, you know, exciting for me to make movies because I, I'm also a musician, so then I can use my music skills sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, 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 it's a very different process, but I really enjoy both, and I still you know, like to make electronic music. I still like to be a DJ sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but yes, you know, when I work on a movie, it's, it's uh, obviously um, a bigger job. Right, yeah. I just wanted to know just a little bit about your writing process, Quentin. I, I imagine that you're either sitting and sitting down writing and making yourself laugh like crazy, or that you're very serious and studious about writing a script. Um, so I was wondering if you have any kind of techniques, you know, in your writing process, like if you play surrealist games or if you just observe things, how does it work for you? 
Uh, I mean, I said it many times, like, the, the, my best ideas come from nowhere. Like, you know, like, I, I, I found my, uh, <coughs> my best uh, stupid ideas when I'm, like, half asleep. <laughs> so when I'm not thinking too much, then you, you have to build uh, something around, uh, uh, you know, this type of ideas. So it, it, it's like, it, it's a very simple process, basically, uh, I got inspired by um, visual, um, you know, like visual ideas uh-huh. most of the time. So it's basically it's like lying down and trying to not think at all, you know, like just uh, let it go. And yeah. then I have to put it on paper and make it um, and, 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 you know, and, and make it into a movie. So uh, I, I, I guess I have a very uh, basic process, but... My quality is to trust uh, my instinct. Like, I, I don't want to trust my brain. I don't want to try to be clever. I don't want to try to be, uh, you know, like, too smart about my script. Uh-huh. I'm just trying to, to get something from uh, a secret place. You know, like, uh, I like to find ideas um, when I'm, like, half asleep. It's a great place to work which, which is hard because, you know, to, to stay half asleep is very hard. Because yeah, then you course. fall asleep. <laughs> or you wake up and your brain starts thinking. <laughs> yeah, but you know this magic thing that we call dreams. You know, like I mean, I'm really like uh, into that. Like uh, I love the yeah. feeling, like when you when you dream of something and then you know you wake up and you still think you're in the dream and you still have like uh, some I don't know. You know, you know what I mean. Like it's I love it. Um, yeah. So that's what I'm trying to do with my movies. Like basically, uh, I don't want the audience to feel a human brain writing a script. I just want to create uh, some magic, and not not just a, a script or a movie. Right. Are you currently filming Wrong Cops right now? Is that still you're still working on that one? I'm I'm editing. I'm 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 at the end of the editing process. Okay. Wrong Cops has been shot uh, in May or June, I think, and I'm, I'm finishing the editing right now because we, in the, you know, like we shot another movie after Wrong Cops, so I've been busy shooting, uh, and uh, I, I think I started editing editing Wrong Cops like uh, in September, something like that, mm-hmm. and I'm finishing it right now. It's really good. Well, I'm very excited to see it. I did see the uh, the teaser that got posted for that, and I'm insanely excited to see that one as well. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your next project? The other one I've shot? Yes. The other one is called uh, Reality. I mean, we, 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 we want to try to keep the French title, with, which is Reality, which means a reality for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is my oldest project. Like uh, I've been writing it like for many years, and uh, to me it was like a dead script because it was mm. too old. And uh, suddenly, a very, uh, <coughs> a very famous and very like incredible actor from France uh, decided to to I mean accepted like the script and he he accepted to do the the lead part. And because I love this guy and I've been a fan of him since I'm 15, I decided to to do it for him. But uh, that, that that was a project that I, I didn't want to shoot anymore. Oh, but it just kind of came back. It, 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 
uh, reality is more about the brain and it's more about like the creation. It's, you know, like it's, it's basically about uh, the brain of the artist. Can you tell us who the actor is by chance? <laughs> it's Alain Chabat. Oh, great. He's, he, oh, you know him? Yeah. He's, he's like, you know, he's the best for us. Like he's the only cool mainstream guy in France. <laughs> because he was like uh, in the uh, in the late eighties, he was like doing the best the best stuff for TV. Right. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I really love him, and he's, he's the sweetest guy on earth. And you know, it, it was like amazing to shoot uh, with him, Tommy. And we also have in reality, we also have uh, Eric Weheim again. Uh huh. He's great. Uh, also, John Heder. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Eric Wareheim was also in on Wrong Cops too, right? Was um, exactly, yeah we're, yeah. we're a very good friend now. Oh well, that's that is extremely exciting news to hear, especially for fans of Tim and Eric as well. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah I, I'm a big fan too. No, no, he's, he's Eric is like amazing in both movies. Like in in Wrong Cops, he's really like like really funny, and in reality, he plays this weird guy who has some very weird dreams and he's i mean he's, he's he's the best i love him that's great well uh we don't want to take up any more of your time uh thank you so much for speaking with us and uh make sure you check out wrong it's on video on demand right now and it hits theaters this friday nice thank you thank you so much Bye-bye. bye bye all right, let's talk about Spring Breakers. This is written and directed by Harmony Corinne, stars Vanessa Hudgens, Selena Gomez, Ashley Benson, James Franco, um, and oh, Rachel Corinne is also in it. Gucci Mane. Gucci Mane. Gucci Mane plays a role. Uh, now, Kevin and I have discussed our love for this movie previously when we saw it at South By. So, one of the main reasons I wanted to get you on, Gina, was to get your opinion on Spring Breakers. So we'll start with you. Okay, well, Spring Breakers, Spring Breakers, oh, Spring Breakers. I woke up actually this morning with James Franco's voice in my head going, Spring Break, forever. Mm-hmm. You know, that was pretty creepy. But other than that, I, I'm annoyed by the film. I did have the experience where I was like, really? I just feel like I watched the longest music video I've ever had to sit through. Um, I felt like the film took a really long time to get into its subject, that it didn't really take off at any point, and that the visual obsession took over any kind of content that, you know, or or lack of content, even or void of content, like Harmony Corinne would probably enjoy, um, of the film. And for me, the visuals, it's it's kind of a nothing new scenario where this kind of visual is a repetitive occurred already. I'm not that interested in seeing the visual, to be honest. So I, I kind of was grasping for something to hold on to in this film. I don't know. What did you guys think? I love the visuals. I thought that the, I, I will, I will agree that I don't think it's necessarily anything new. I don't right. think that they brought anything new to the table, but I thought everything about this movie fit. It, it all fit into place. The music, the, uh, you know, bright colors, the the slow motion debauchery that just took place throughout this movie. I thought that it all, it, it just all fit. It all felt like you were gazing into that world. And I thought that it was, it was great as far as visual, like the aesthetics of it, Kevin. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the visuals as well. I love the cinematography and 
the the color palette, the neon colored nightmare, really. It's just it's, fantastic. Yeah. And specifically, uh, there were there were certain scenes that I thought the cinematography was was pretty awesome, particularly the the robbery at the beginning of the film with the camera staying in the car and kind of following the action that was happening inside the building, inside That's the diner. That. Yeah, we're um, always suckers about that. Um, what I really liked the cinematography uh, until we. Basically, until Selena Gomez's character leaves the film, save for maybe two mm-hmm. shots in the end of the film. And then everything kind of started to feel for me as though he was really relying on just maybe five days of shooting and recycling this these images over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of it, I, I'm sure the intended effect is kind of like a hypnotism in a way. But I just, I didn't tap into that. I just felt kind of beat over the head with the same images um, and the same camera angles and and the same... Um, a lot of the same voiceover, too. A lot of the same voiceover, yeah. Really redundant with the voiceover, um, which I understand, you know, for him, he's he's been he's he's been talking about the film as though it's, you know, a pop poem, kind of, to this world, and that it's, you know, a, a poetic expression for him. But... For me, it was really flat, unfortunately. I, I wish that there was something that I was disturbed by deeply or, you know, just something, some, some kind of reaction. But I really left feeling like, man, I just watched a really long MTV movie, <laughs> mm. which is interesting because I don't think that, you know, Harmony Korine would be excited if that was the response to his film. I think no. he likes having, you know, the the trophy for being this kind of disturbing, nuanced filmmaker. Um, and I appreciate his films, but this one, this one's just flat for me. Mm. Kevin? Uh, I, can, I can see that. I can see people not liking it or thinking that it's flat. And I mean, I didn't get a chance, like you said, you got to see it again. And I didn't get that chance to see it again. So I'm not sure if it would hold up. You know what I mean? If I would be as excited as I was the first time I saw. And also, I'm wondering how much of a part the whole South by Southwest feeling had to me to me enjoying Spring Breakers. You know what I mean? Having Harmony Corinne and James Franco and everything in the crowd watching the film with me and all the excitement and all that. And then juxtapose that with watching it in Mount Joy, Pennsylvania. With probably if I went to the theater, there'd probably be I would guess maybe four or five people. It it well in, yeah. in the theater. It certainly yeah it's that certainly plays a part because when I saw it, it was maybe a half full theater and it was just dead silent. Nobody understood what they were watching. I heard one dude behind me say that it was the worst movie he's ever seen when we were leaving, and I just. So, yeah, I think the environment plays a, a big part in it. You know, people laughed a lot in the theater that I was in, there, and there might have only been 25 people in the theater. Um, yeah. But yeah. yeah, there was there was no laughing in my theater. I was laughing, <laughs> but, I was but laughing. no one else was. My girlfriend was laughing, but nobody else was. There are these shots um, of the girls returning on the buses, like his wife, when, or Harmony Crin's wife. Oh, man, her name escapes me right now. What's the actress's name? 
Rachel, Rachel Corinne. Rachel, thank you. Um, when she's on the bus, there's, I think, this really nice unintended moment where she actually looks like an injured child. You know, she's, she's her character had been has been so strong throughout the film as being kind of the funky one, the one who's really willing to to get down and dirty and mm-hmm. and then also draw her own boundaries. The other mm-hmm. two blonde characters seem really like they're one character, which I thought was also interesting. Um, but I really like this shot when she's leaving on the bus and, and this portrait shot of her, but I just don't think it was intended, which is funny. Selena Gomez, it's really easy to see her as a kid, obviously, and I'm sure her role in this film was maybe even about trying to break that in her career a little bit. Oh, yeah. Um, but I don't know if it worked for her, you know? Like, maybe maybe just the idea of being in a Korean film would be effective, you know, to to replace this you're a child stigma in your career. But I think she left this film looking even more naive and vulnerable, you know, than, than she did going into it. Well, plus she was only in about half of the film before, like you said, really the movie's kind of divided into two parts. There's the spring break element and then there's a whole other element that happens at about the halfway point. Right. Right. Which She's I didn't like moral character. You know, your morals yeah. And then that disappears. But I don't know. I don't know if I would like it less if she decided to stay with it, because that seemed kind of uncharacteristic of her to begin with. But I, I don't know. Oh, I think it might have been nice. It could have been nice. It might have worked. Who knows? We don't know. But um, to have a character where uh, to have a character that can be horrified um, in that kind of wave of everything's in a way disgusting, violent, or I mean fashion and the fashion of violence in a way mm-hmm. uh, if there's one character there to witness and 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 to not partake in that it just sets up that contrast in a really nice way so maybe that's why i liked the first part of the film because i felt there was this conflict involved and then once the conflict disappeared i was like ah oh, music video <laughs> yeah and i think that it's interesting to see how the, the movie kind of changes because even though the first part is it's a bunch of white girls partying with a bunch of white people and then like once that dynamic kind of changes it's like they're still doing the same stuff but at at the same time like they kind of feel like it's wrong like selena gomez is she's concerned at that point once they get out of the white people party i thought that was kind of interesting yeah i mean there's a power dynamic shift out in in one area of the film there with not only white, female, male, but also the same age group and the same background, same purpose. So her right. character can kind of understand this is what we're all here for and there's no danger. But once you have a guy who, who buys your freedom and you don't know what that means and he's touching you, it's kind of freaky. And I think she did a really great job in that role. I just I wasn't sure if I really felt the other girls were believable in their pursuit of violence. It just really felt like the fashion of it, really like the fashion of violence, the fashion of what it looks like when girls carry guns and have bikinis on versus what their characters are feeling or doing, which is part of Corinne's catalog. He's into the fashion of how this stuff looks, um, and that does make for really interesting images. And I think that uh, that also a lot of his characters and a lot of his movies are just pretty soulless, despicable people, and I think that that kind of rears its head in this movie as well. While, sure. <laughs> while I think that a lot of the characters in this movie seem more real than 
than in some of his previous films, uh, there's still that kind of ugly element to it. And, and that's really, that's kind of what he revels in, is just showing off the ugliness of the world. Sure, totally. Um, in a in a well-choreographed kind of way. Oh, yeah. Kevin? No, well, I was going to say that it, it, interesting how Gina points out the whole fashion of everything is, you know, the last couple of short films that he's done before this movie have all been for... Uh, like fashion brands, mm-hmm. right? And they are odd as shit. <laughs> I don't know. I remember I tried showing you one, Adam, of the uh, the yeah, snowball I the one. Yeah, the snowballs. Oh my goodness, that was yeah, that was definitely odd. What are the companies that he's working for when he does those? Uh, snowballs was for Proenza Scholler. Uh huh. I think that's how you pronounce that. I have no idea. I don't know either. Yeah, I, I mean. It- Go ahead. I think it was mostly for them. I don't know if there was any others or not. I think it's also interesting if you watch all of his interviews, for example, with David Letterman, on how he's he's a natural ADD comedian mm-hmm. um, with his delivery and what he's and he's talking about the rea- in a lot of ways. What he's saying is true on these shows, but it just comes off as absolute comic stand-up relief you know like he's not it doesn't look like he's giving an interview in a lot of ways which is interesting because he's it seems like he's afraid of getting below a certain level as far as depth in a subject is concerned because he's really interested i think in in just seeing how people react and that reaction is a really important aspect of his of his person and his filmmaking i think yeah i mean no matter how you look at it i think that his stuff is interesting and can spark a lot of conversations because he's one of these guys that kind of blurs the line between trash and art and you never really know you know because a lot of times i always wonder if if some of these guys are just trying to pull a fast one over on you especially with like trash humpers (laughs) you know it's like "Mm, i don't know yeah it's 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 about you know the fun of doing it more maybe than anything else Right. Like there's that aspect for his filmmaking, too. But you're right. He's the kind of filmmaker that people are going to consistently talk about any time he makes something. And that's that's good stuff in a way. Um, now, now, looking at his filmography, Kevin, you haven't seen Trash Humpers. Gina, has, has there been anything that he's made? Uh, Mr. Lonely, you said you haven't seen. Has there been anything else that you haven't seen of his? Um, let's see, Mr. Lonely, I haven't seen, I've seen, okay, so I've seen Trash Humpers, but I haven't sat through it once start to finish, you know, so I've kind of broken it up in segments as it goes. Um, so I could say, you know, for, for a fact that I actually haven't really sat down and seen Trash Humpers, even though I've seen all of its parts. Um, You know, you know what it's, (laughs) what it's all about. Well, yeah, but you know, I don't know if there's some weird, you know, thing to experience by sitting and just being hammered over the head for the entire time with that. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, Mr. Lonely. What about you? You've seen everything? I have not seen Mr. Lonely, but I've seen everything else. Uh so what I'm wondering is where this where Spring Breakers lands on the Harmony Corinne scale for you guys. Mm. Kevin, you know first. I think it's his best work. It's his most <laughs> even though it's sort of odd to say it's his most mature work, I think, um, technically speaking of putting everything together compared to his other films. Uh, the only thing that I think comes close to Spring Breakers would be Julian Donkey Boy. 
See, I did not. See, yeah, really. that's where I, me I and you really. are different. You hate Julian Donkey Boy. I loved it. You liked Gummo, and I think Gummo is terrible. Yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at on that. I would agree, though. Uh, Spring Breakers probably does sit on top of my list as well for him. See, I'm going to contrast you guys and say that it feels like his laziest work to me. Now, see, I can see that. I can see how you would feel that way because going back to, like we were talking about before, he does recycle a lot of the same stuff in this movie. That's a lot of the same footage, <clears throat> a lot of the same voiceover over and over. But do you think that he's maybe doing that in a way of mirroring Spring Break itself? How it's just the same shit over and over again? Yeah, I'm sure there's an aspect of that going on, but I think you could say that about any of the culture that he's dealing with. It is the same shit, you know, going on and on and on, like Trash Humpers, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the piece where it's the least interesting to experience on a on a uh, art level, on a trash level, it's it's so gray area for me as far as where it, where it is between those two places that I feel like he honestly got a got a five million dollar budget, spent some of it, kept some of it, spent some time doing it. You know, like I feel like it's a lazier film than than his other works. I just it's it's just the experience I have watching it from a filmmaking perspective. But I understand totally how, you know, maybe in his mind or an audience that is enjoying this film, that they're seeing that as a as an accurate um, an accurate statement about this culture. And I would also like to add that I I don't know if I said this before when we talked about it uh, before, but I feel like this is kind of an (coughs) odd movie to try to categorize. I think that it's a movie that people can like for completely different reasons like. Kevin and I like this movie for one reason, and then Ryan, for instance, likes it for a completely different reason. He likes it because it's about spring break and it has violence and boobs in it. (laughs) And I think that that's kind of, that's what kind of perplexes me the most about this movie is like, it got a a wide release. Wait a second. Now, Ryan did... Specify when we got out of the movie that he didn't like it because of the nudity. But I love the fact that he had to point that out to begin with. Like, oh, I love that movie, but it wasn't for the nudity. Oh, I see. I, you know, I enjoyed the nudity. I think it's an essential part of the topic. You know, like it's not, it's not a thing you could shield if you were going to delve into spring break issues, and you shouldn't because it's, it's an essential part of the culture. I don't find it disgusting or or overbearing like all the twerking going on in this film it's not a problem for me like none of that is the problem it's just the actual repetitive use of the same shot of the same twerk that bothers me (laughs) now i have because me and adam have talked about this numerous times on the podcast how much of a role does story play for you in enjoying a film uh, it depends on the film. I mean, for example, we just interviewed the uh, Quentin Depio. I can never say his last name. Pardon, Depio. Um, we just interviewed him on Wrong, and I love that film. And there is a story resolve, but I think the story resolve is a weak point in the film itself. I think all the absurdity is what's great. Um, so story doesn't play a really essential part for me. I'm attracted equally to surrealist and abstract films as I am to really hardcore narratives. 
Mm-hmm. So it's for me, it's like assessing what the what the filmmakers you know interested in, and whether or not I'm experiencing it based on what's on the screen and what you know what I'm what I'm 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 an open person when I go to the film theaters around the town. <laughs> could Let be me any- ask you this, Gina: Have you seen the Turin Horse? Torn Horse. Torn no, Horse. I haven't, I haven't seen horse. it. <laughs> I think that's that's the that's the one that you can judge everything on because <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably the film that started the entire discussion. Yeah, because Wait, what is this film? Oh God, it's a it's... Bellatar movie, black and white. It's what probably two and a half hours long, something like that. It takes the place of the story of um, Nietzsche how he you know collapsed in sight of a horse being whipped. And then it picks up the story from this perspective of that horse after oh, uh, that day. So uh-huh. pretty much nothing happens for two and a half hours. Uh huh. So it's, there's really no story whatsoever. That yeah. seems like I might really enjoy that film. Yeah, um, I thought it was amazing. It depends. It depends on what's on the screen. And see, that's see that was it had the exact opposite effect on me. While I do recognize that a movie like that looked good, the utter lack of any kind of story whatsoever i mean like it's a horse walking for like 20 minutes and then a horse walking beautifully damn it (laughs) and then you and then you have two old people eating potatoes with their hands don't forget to do it with their hands and they do it like they've never eaten potatoes and then it's like this static shot of a woman staring out of a window into a plane of nothingness for another 10 minutes yeah. Cannot yes. deal. It's it's it depends on the mood sometimes, you know? Like sometimes you're just not in the in the place to see a, a challenging film if that's how you felt about it. Like a challenging film it cha- it's it's not fun to be in this theater right now. Right. Y- yeah. But uh you know, I'm also into the James the films of James Benning for example, which are all just very long still shots. And I, I enjoy, I do enjoy if there's a certain structure a lot of the time, um, unless unless it's purely visual. But a lot of times a purely visual film has some sort of a structure. You know, it's a, a film processed, hand processed technique or all sorts of stuff. But Benning's last film, um, 20 Cigarettes, for example, it's a film where he, he has 20 friends in front of the camera for the length of a cigarette and they smoke the cigarette. And then it's on to the next guy until you've smoked a pack of cigarettes. It's 20 cigarettes because there's 20 cigarettes in a pack. And what happens is you you start to experience the humanity of each character at some point once they get, I don't know if comfortable in front of the camera is the right word, but maybe forget that the camera is there. Um, and it's a really a beautiful film, but there's no narrative there. There's no do, story there. Do they talk? No, it's just, silent. Just there's no silence. talking. It's just it's it's a portrait. Film. You know, they're smoking cigarettes. That's it. It's right up Adam's alley. That's that's right. Well, I I need a little bit. I need a little bit to hold on to. Like uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow, for instance. Beautiful film. Loved the music, the visuals, but the the narrative was just lacking so much. See, I don't I don't understand that. I don't care about narrative at all. I mean, if I want narrative, I read a book. Yeah, but when we reviewed Beyond the Black Rainbow, you agreed. I agreed a little bit that he could make something truly amazing if he had a little bit of a narrative there, you know, to bring everything together. But I definitely love it for the fact of just the look of it. 
So, Kevin, for you, it sounds like like a, a film is an object to you in its own right. For it's most not a part. story necessarily. It's no, a- I don't need I don't need a story. Yeah. I don't need to follow a narrative. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't hurt s- certain films. You know, you usually know going into a film if it's going to be a straight narrative or not. Mm-hmm. So I, just, I, tr- I try and base it on that. Well, I try to take things on a case-by-case basis. I don't want to sit, like put out some sort of blanket statement that says I need a story in a movie because I'm sure that I can find examples of plenty of films that I love that didn't have, you know, any kind of structured narrative. But I think I notice more cinematography-wise while I'm watching a film takes more precedent over anything else. Huh. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, again, Beyond the Black Rainbow, I probably wouldn't have given that the time of day if it didn't look so good and sound so good. And the fact that they came out with a copy of it on VHS, give me a break. <laughs> that, is, that is a selling point right there. Back to, back to Spring Breakers, I, I think part of, again, what bothers me is that there's, a, there's not a clarity over whether I'm watching it for the narrative impulse or for the topical impulse of just the trash of Spring Break, the, the audacity of Spring Break in, in the images themselves. And it seems to me like he doesn't really know either. That's, that's, that's the part that really gets me, is that the filmmaker doesn't really know which is more important to him. Or if he's, you know, not that one has to be more important over the other, if, if he's really showing these two things because he cares about these two things equally. I just don't get that feeling. I get the feeling that some of it's filler and some of it's really fun to make. Um, just having the girls in the ski masks with the guns dancing around a piano with James Franco and his yes. crazy Loved grill. It. Yes. You know, like it's, it's, it's awesome as a scene, but in the context of the film, I just, a lot is missing for me to like kind of drive it home as like, wow, this guy's a genius. I, I See, love for me, that, that scene automatically got extra credit points because of the sort of the tip of the cap to Marcel Dezama. Yeah. It's a beautiful it's scene. Loved, it really is. Especially... Especially with Franco's, I mean, I like, for example, there's like a, fa- some people might see him, the fake piano playing, you know, so fake, obviously. Um, but I kind of love it. I kind of love that we're not trying to make it look like James Franco can play the piano. Right. You know, so there, it's like a hit and miss all over the film for me. And I just walked out of the theater going, ugh. And I, you know, it was sad because I was really excited to see it, to be honest. I thought it was, I thought it was going to be, um, I mean, I didn't have a high expectation because I had seen Trash Humpers, for example, and I know how I felt about that film. But I was still disappointed leaving the theater because I really wanted to like this film I did. How do you think the mainstream audiences would, would react to this movie? I think their it's face challenging. Melts. Their face melts. I think it's challenging for them. But I think Zero Dark Thirty was also a challenging film for a large audience. You know, So it's, it's a different kind of challenging I think I think a lot of people leave the theater and be and forget about it pretty quickly and not think about it. So like, uh, so you think that it would that it would be met with the same kind of reaction as, for instance, uh, what was that, the real Cancun or one of those other? There was a Spring Break documentary that came out like back in two thousand six, I want to say, and I'm pretty sure it was called the Real Cancun. <laughs> so you think it would be? 
regarded on the same level as something like that where no i don't think it would be that i mean i think those are different places i think there's an expectation for people to enjoy the film because it's harmony corinne people but, love but on but on a mainstream level though yeah because but people probably is, don't know who harmony corinne is like the general movie movie going audience i think i think it would surprise you how <laughs> people actually do gummo was in um blockbuster when Blockbuster existed, you know, the movie rental store. Oh yeah. I re- I, we rented it from there. I remember. I yeah, think we skipped Gummo. school and watched Gummo. <laughs> See, that's, that's the kind of experience, like depending on the generation that you come from, I think you, you could potentially have a lot of experience with Harmony Crin and still leave this theater forgetting about this film. Well, I know, I know from Mountjoy area, York and everything. Whenever I talk about films, no one has any idea what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> like, no, I, I don't yeah. think I've ever met anyone that knows who the hell Harmony Curran is besides my wife and Adam. Yeah. Well, Ryan knows who he I is knew, now. So <laughs> Ryan knows now. And I know that there's people out there. I just, I never run across them. Yeah. Well, you're in Pennsylvania. I yeah. was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And believe it or not, that's a pretty big film town. Um, so maybe I just have a different experience. The program, like a university program there, they've got a film festival. There's, it's an underground experimental film town. Um, you know, the American movie. Have you, you seen the movie? You don't have that. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, an, that's a Milwaukee film. And those guys, like I know them. I worked in a fashion boutique when I was 20. And the main, I forget his name off the top of my head, but the main character who's making the film in American movie came in thinking that he was going to do a fashion styling, like photo kind of company. And he just talked me into a downward spiral about living with your mom in Milwaukee and how horrible it is. I love that movie. People that, that people like those characters, people in Milwaukee have interactions with them. So just based on that, that kind of, that kind of experience, maybe the, the, the culture of people I'm thinking about, is different you know maybe it's not mainstream and i think it is i don't know well uh be that as it may i feel that most people that see this movie will take it for face value and look at james franco and selena gomez and be disappointed when it's not the movie that they expect to see but it's actually james franco's best work because once again he's terrible he is terrible isn't he he's so terrible He's, he's so terrible but it's you're right it's good that he's terrible. He's, yeah. a, he's a good terrible this time around. It's good kind terrible. of Tom Cruise being a total egomaniac in Magnolia. It's yeah, just exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, there you have it. Kevin and I, pretty pretty high marks for Spring Breakers. Gina, not so much. Lukewarm. <laughs> Lukewarm at best. Uh, it is playing probably in theaters near you. I think it's playing in most places in the country right now. It is so, playing in York, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Right well, now. Check it out. Check it out one way or the other. I'd, I'd say it's worth seeing. Yeah. Would you, sure. you would say it is worth seeing, Gina? Um, yeah, I do. I mean, in a film, I, in, it's, is it worth seeing as a piece of entertainment? Not so much. Is it worth seeing as uh, watching a director's body of work and kind of understanding the director? Sure. I would take a grandparent. Yes. Take your grandparents. Especially Take your, your grandparents. grandparents. Yep. Take grandma. She's going to love it. My uh, girlfriend said that this should be required viewing for any parent that has a teenage child. Oh, damn. 
All right. Any final thoughts, Spring Breakers? Spring Break. Spring Break forever. It's Kevin? Had forever. Look, look at all my shit. I think that's what. That's the one thing. Look at all my shit. Is that, is that even, I'm dark even tan and oil? Look at my dark tan and oil. <laughs> okay, come on. That was like, a fun. That's um, what I'm, that was the one thing that I want to point out is even people that hated this film and people that loved it, everyone can agree that that monologue is without a doubt the best, and it's going to be extremely, <laughs> extremely memorable, and people are going to be talking about it for a long time. Oh, I think it's going to be probably one of the most quoted movies of the they year. They have shorts in every color. <laughs> Fucking kidding me? <laughs> Who does not want that lifestyle? I have shorts in three colors max. That's it. Uh, I feel like a loser. Well, you should. God. Okay. Let's move on. Talk about uh, some of our predictions. Last week, we said the Crudes. Kevin, you predicted a 52% on Rotten Tomatoes. I predicted 46. That is correct. Actual 64 on that. That's what I thought. Uh, admission you said 52 i said 56 actual 44 on admission ouch mm. no love for the rud mm. this week ryan almost touched rud yes he did let's remember that <laughs> can i touch him <laughs> would he would he ask yes if it would be okay to touch him <laughs> yeah he said because <laughs> is it okay if i touch them oh my god it's a bizarre question i wish he would have just i wish he would have just touched him yeah. Just stroked his hair throughout the entire screening. That would have been great. Uh, for those of you that don't know on that inside joke, Ryan sat directly behind Paul Rudd at a screening of Prince Avalanche. <laughs> and he wanted desperately to touch him. And he wanted to touch him very badly <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> uh, then we have Olympus Has Fallen. You said 40. I said 42. Actual 51. Oh, come on. Die Hard in the White House. Die Hard in the White House. I didn't know that that was uh, Fuqua. Yeah. God, he's a terrible director. He's not that good. No. Then again, I don't know. I haven't seen Olympus Fallen, so it might be good. I think we gave it a 6 out of 10 on the site. Is that Ernie? Yes. Ernie on Sounds top of generous. It? it does sound it does. generous. I don't know. Then we Ernie have... doesn't like to be harsh. So next, next week... Go bunch of stuff coming out next week we have welcome to the punch Ooh. this is that almost completely unknown action film with uh who's in it i already forgot uh damn it i know who's in it from he's james in McAvoy. yes james mcavoy what Beautiful. do you think about this one i honestly thought that this was a statham movie at first looks like a statham movie by the cover <laughs> i know so i'm gonna say it's gonna be awful uh 56 56 okay i'm gonna guess um boo, boo, boo. 50 what do you Can think i throw out a number just for fun yeah i'm course. gonna give you guys 41 41 Not okay fun. yeah mm. then we have gi joe retaliation oh finally yeah. finally i know everybody's excited about this one about time we get some real american heroes i'm gonna say oh god 24 Oh. Mm. That's probably generous. What are you thinking, Kevin? 100. <laughs> That's it. You're locked in. I'm marking you. <laughs> 100. Kidding me? 
You're gonna retaliate, real American hero style. I'm sticking with a hundred. You're going with a hundred? Okay. <laughs> well, if it's it, the funny thing, well, no, I'll probably, st- I'll probably still be closer. Uh, Gina, what do you think? GI Joe retaliation? Are you excited for this one? I've only been waiting it, waiting for it since I was six years old. So I'm gonna give it a twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. Mm. All right. Twenty-eight. Who knows? We might be surprised. The host. This mm. is the one that's based on that. What's her name? Stephanie Meyer. Is that her name? Girl, the woman that wrote Twilight. Uh, I do not know these things. I'm pretty sure it's yeah, Stephanie. I'm, I'm out of the loop with the Twilight business. I'm pretty that's sure it's Stephanie that. Meyer. Just because sure. I saw a trailer for this yesterday and it said her name. Sounds good. Uh, I'm not too into this one, Kevin. What are you, what are you thinking on this? That's surprising. <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're not excited. Normally, for the normally I love the young adult books that are adapted into movies. I know. The host, uh, uh, like a forty-six. All right, I'm gonna guess. Oof. I'm gonna say fifty. What do you think on that, Gina? I'm gonna round you guys out and say forty-eight. Forty-eight. Okay. Yeah. I'm in it for. I'm in it to win it, guys. You probably nice. will. Then we have Temptation. This is a Tyler Perry movie, I believe. Oh, yeah. Still, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. We talked about it. <laughs> that was Spring, Spring Breakers trailer and then the Temptation trailer. Followed immediately <laughs> after. Uh, <laughs> this that, Now that's a double bill I want to see. Heck yeah. Someone needs to make that happen. Spring Breakers followed by Temptation, sign me up. <laughs> Although I don't think Medea's in that one, so that's. I wish Medea was in both. I just wish Medea was in everything, every movie. <laughs> oh I want to see Tyler Perry's Medea's Amour. That's what I want to see. <laughs> you want to see what did you just say? Tyler Perry's uh, Amour? Yeah. Medea yeah. in Amour. I'm down for that. And. He, Tyler Perry's the the husband and the wife. Mm. Oh, yeah. in drag and out of drag. Yep, yep. Like, but Temptation. I would like it to be more that it's in drag and then still in drag, but then uh, male makeup over top of it. Oh wow! And also, Going only if the way. piano shots are totally faked. I, I need the piano shots to be really, really, really false. Instead of Obviously. classical music, they sing Britney Spears. Mm. Yeah, sure. Or even go. better, like uh, Guns N' Roses. Ooh, November Rain. I would like that. What do you think on Temptation, Kevin? Uh, temptation. <laughs> like a six. <laughs> uh, I want to say uh, 15. What are you thinking, Gina? Oh, I was going to say 16. Oh. Can't okay. believe I'm the high roller on that. <laughs> well, who knows? Uh, and then we have The Place Beyond the Pines. Oh, my excited. second favorite movie of the year. Pretty excited for this one. So I'm going to I'm gonna reach high. I'm going to say like 86. Reaching up there. Uh, I'm going to go uh, 82. Gina, what do you I, think on that one? I think it looks good, but I'm going to give it like a 68. Mm. Okay. I love the uh, the one poster. Have you guys seen the one poster with uh, his face all jacked up? No, I, I haven't. Seen it. It's awesome looking. Mm-hmm. Look it up, Kevin. 
I'm, I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> All right, moving on to DVD and Blu-ray releases. This is for Tuesday, March 26, 2013. We have the comedy. A little bit of the old Tim and Eric action. Mostly oh, Tim. Mostly Tim. <laughs> Smattering of Eric. Smattering of Eric and the guy from LCD Sound System. That's right. <laughs> Uh, I was a big fan of this movie. I actually liked it a lot. Have, have you checked this one out, Gina? No, I haven't. I'd recommend it. It's it's. Uh, I know that we've talked about it several times on the show, but it shouldn't be watched as a comedy. Like you shouldn't think like oh, this is going to be a laugh riot. Okay. It's not going. It's not going to be a laugh <laughs> no, riot. It's going to be a very. All. It's very dark. And then we have the collection. This is a horror movie. Uh, I checked this out in the theater. I actually liked it. I liked the first one quite a bit, too. So I'd probably recommend that as like a rental or like a Netflix thing. Nothing. It wasn't anything special, but last year's horror movies were pretty shitty all around. So this was one of the better ones. Uh, Then we have Easy Money, a.k.a. Snabacash. Snabacash. (laughs) I would, uh, I like Joel Kinnaman a lot, so I would recommend this one. I, I saw this a while back. It was, it was I was going to say, you saw this a long time ago. Yeah, a long time ago. I, I hardly even remember it now, except it's kind of like one of those Guy Ritchie-esque movies. Oh. But, I mean, it's not a, like a ripoff or anything. It's just a good crime flick. Hmm. Killing Them Softly? What say uh. to that, Kevin? <laughs> That's that's an ignore. Ignore that it ever happened and that it ignore. Yeah, act like it never happened. I was not too thrilled with killing them softly either. I know. Did you know that we were in a financial crisis? (laughs) Well, you know what? I I wasn't. I wasn't sure about it. I know. I kind of got the gist from this movie that we might be. They they drop a couple hints here and there. Couple hints. <laughs> yeah, more like they punch you in the face with it every ten seconds. Yeah, everyone listens to NPR the entire time <laughs> and watches CNN while they're playing while they're doing backroom gambling. Are you serious? Yeah, I think that we were talking about that in our when we did our <laughs> review, and we were like, you, "Do we really think that these like low level?" Drug addicted thugs are going to be listening to Fresh Air. <laughs> but, and, but another thing that I hated more than anything was uh, Ben Mendelssohn's character when he shoots up heroin, and they play the Velvet Underground song "Heroin" as he does it. Oh, there's a are lot you, of that. that are you kidding me? Jesus, are yeah. you serious? I didn't. <sighs> that whole scene I thought was completely unnecessary and ridiculous, and it lasted way too long. Plus, that one hit scene lasted like an hour and 40 minutes in slow-mo, I think. <laughs> Could be wrong on the time. Don't yeah, quote. that one I think was... it was about an hour 40. At least it looked pretty. I haven't seen it, but I'm looking at the poster, and I'm just wondering if Brad Pitt actually has prosthetic eyebrows in this film. He probably... I don't, you <laughs> know, I don't even remember. Probably does. Prosthetic eyebrows. I, you know, it. he's just married to a specific fold in his brow look like it would get painful after a while i think that this is a hard movie to recommend i would not i would not recommend it and like gandolfini's character the completely pointless to be in the movie at all i'm just remembering everything i hated about that movie all of a sudden (laughs) speaking of hating parental guidance 
Billy Crystal <laughs> coming back in a big way. <laughs> Probably gonna say skip that one. I think that that got like completely abysmal reviews. What? Oh, we didn't even cover it on the site, so. Crystal. And then we have a royal affair. Has anyone mm-hmm. seen this or have any interest in this? Is this a period piece? Yeah, I know that you you say that you hate period pieces, and yet you see every single one of them. I don't see every what you see period? a lot of them. Do I? Yeah, you you said you were gonna see Anna Karenina. Yeah, saw, that didn't happen. You saw Jane Eyre. You saw Jane Eyre. Uh, see, I, I habitually skip these films. Yeah, you know, unless it's Kubrick. I'm pretty much not going to watch a period piece. So I did see Marie Antoinette's because it was Coppola and I wanted to see what that was going to be like. But I mean, other than that, I, I habitually skip these films. I get lost in the costumes, like drowning lost in the costumes. Yeah, I have not seen that one. I haven't seen Marie Antoinette, but I did see Jane Eyre and I fell asleep in the theater. Hmm. Uh what was the other one, Kevin? There was one that came out just re. Oh, Wuthering Heights. Oh, yeah. Wuthering all... Heights. Well, that's a huge a- Andrew Arnold fan. It's the only reason I really saw that. That one. <laughs> Plus, was... I reviewed it for the site. So you're welcome. <laughs> wow. Are you also going to review Scary Movie 5? No. Hopefully, <laughs> no. Now that you do point out, I have seen a lot of period pieces. Yeah, <laughs> you hate them, but you see a lot of them. The fuck is wrong with me? Why well, do I watch things I don't like? Damn it! Well, at least you're not like watching all kinds of musicals. Yeah, that's true. I definitely don't do that. You didn't go see Les Mis, for example. Yeah, I did. Damn it! I did too. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I would though. I would go see Les Mis because I am interested in how the characters, the the actual actors, have to sing the tracks. Yeah. Well. It doesn't work. It probably would have been better if they just recorded them separately. All right. I think that does it. For all the latest film news and reviews, visit us at filmpulse.net. We want to hear your feedback. Send us an email, feedback filmpulse.net. We'll call our voicemail line at 850-391-6071. Also, please take a minute to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam. Hi, I'm Kevin. And I'm Gina. And we will see you on Wednesday for Ryan Watches a Movie. Now, Jenny, you have to say, see you later. No. <laughs> <laughs> see you later.